Hey, deserving listeners, it's just me today. I'm going to talk about too much self-disclosure. I recently had an episode, a patron-only episode, I think, in which I did a deep dive, I don't know, two-hour, three-hour deep dive into self-disclosure in therapy. If you don't know what self-disclosure is, it's when a therapist talks about themselves a little bit with their clients. So they might self-disclose that, you know, say you have a, a client who had, you know, her, her mother died and the therapist might say, you know what, I lost a parent too a while about, a while back, and, and it was really hard for me. And then you, again, focus on the client. So it's just these little self-disclosures that can help to deepen the relationship, can normalize people's feelings, and can really uh, make a big difference in outcomes that have it's been shown by science, by empirical measurement. Anyway... So basically in that episode, I was talking about the different categories of self-disclosure, when to use it, and my, my main um, sort of one of my main theses was that a lot of instructors and supervisors will say things like, never self-disclose. And that's ridiculous. That's, that's counter to empirical science that demonstrates that self-disclosure is actually uh, beneficial to therapy and has a lot of positive outcomes. And it's just this weird dogmatic um, thing that I see a lot of therapists exhibiting. There's no, there's no problem with you preferring not to self-disclose. You can certainly say, you know what, I don't like to self-disclose. And my approach to therapy is not to self-disclose. That's one thing. And it's another thing to teach your supervisees and your students to not self-disclose. That, that's a completely different thing. It's imposing your own weird personal bias onto other people and claiming as if it has, uh, you know, empirical science to back it up, which it does not. So now telling your students to be and your supervisees to be very careful about their self-disclosure is is actually good advice. But telling them to never self-disclose is counter to empirical science and impossible because you're th- as therapists. There's, there's always inadvertent self-disclosures, the way you dress, the way you hold yourself, your accent, that kind of thing. Anyway, so um, I want to talk about when, it, when self-disclosure is taken too far. I have an email here from a patron, and I'm going to read that. But first, let's introduce the podcast. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Before moving forward, I just want to remind everyone to become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Go there, become a patron of the podcast. It's the best way you can show your support of the podcast and keep this thing going. Also, there's a live event coming up on January 27, 2018. Go to the Facebook page and find out more information about it. It's in Seattle. Okay, so patron Nick writes in and he says, I have this ethical dilemma with my therapist. I've been seeing him for two years. For about the first six months of him working with me, things were great. We had a great therapeutic relationship, and I honestly felt like I could trust him. His use of self-disclosure helped me trust him. Or, so, sorry, he used self-disclosure well, which, which helped me to trust him. Things were fine and appropriate. However, however, over the last few months, things have felt out of control. I see him twice a week, and he's been canceling on a nearly weekly basis. With my large fear on abandonment, this lack of stability has left me in tears sometimes. 
He tells me that he has to cancel for personal reasons like family, physical illness, or his mental illness. I have no issue with my therapist having a mental illness. In fact, I prefer it. However, I believe he's at a point where he shouldn't be seeing clients at the moment because he can't seem to manage. Every session has started with him telling me about his crumpling marriage and how he thinks his best friend might be having sex with his wife. He also looks at his phone during our sessions. He answers work phone calls. I've heard complete conversations between him and his clients. This happens just about every time I see him. Today, he disrupted, ses- he disrupted our session and asked me to check Facebook to see where his wife was currently located as she ran away with his best friend. We've had numerous discussions about how it bothers me, how often he uses his phone for personal reasons during, during session, and each time he justifies it by saying he has to or it's an emergency. It makes me feel good that an older person trusts me with all these personal things, and it makes me feel like our relationship is special to him. I think that's why I haven't complained about it. I've listened to your podcast on self-disclosure and your other relevant podcasts to the situation, but I still feel so conflicted about it. I don't want to change therapists because I have a helpful therapeutic relationship with him. But he's been such, but he's been in such a dark place recently that I feel like I can't even talk to him without my own issues. Without my own, oh, that I can't talk to, talk with him about my so. Sorry. So he's been in such a dark place recently that I feel like I can't even talk to him about my own issues. We've talked today about him possibly taking some medical leave and going somewhere for treatment. He said he's going to talk with his supervisor about it. I just I, I, I just don't know what to do about any of this. End of email. Okay. So I'm going to try to restrain myself here and just sort of stick to some of the facts here. Yeah. Uh, patron, I see the dilemma totally. On one hand, you like talking to him, and historically, anyway, over the past couple of years, especially in the beginning, you had a very strong relationship with him, and you like that he self-discloses. You like that he's very real with you. You like that he trusts you with personal information, and you seem to be really benefiting from the strong relationship with your therapist. And so that's that's a hard thing to give up, right? And that's a hard thing to complain about, right? Because those those kinds of therapeutic relationships are kind of hard to find. On the other hand, he is sometimes acting in an unhelpful manner, according to your account. And you feel like he's taking this self-disclosure thing a little too far. So I understand that dilemma. You're like, well... I really like working with him, but on the other hand, he seems to be kind of falling apart and he seems to be using sessions for his benefit. I, I don't know what to do. Now, I will say that I'm very glad that he's going to talk with a supervisor and really, and I advise you to do this over email, I advise that you talk to a supervisor too. His supervisor should be uh, uh, very apparent to you in the disclosure statement or, and or you could just ask him for a supervisor's contact information. His supervisor really needs to know what's happening here, I just have to say. If his supervisor is made known of what's happening, that supervisor can help the therapist with all of this. And I'm worried that the therapist is not going to be fully honest with the supervisor because I have a hard time believing that that this therapist is going to turn around and tell his supervisor, everything that he's been doing lately, because 
the fact that he's even doing these things indicates a problem with this sort of thing. And or the supervisor doesn't know what they're doing, which I would have a hard time believing that two people would sign off on this sort of behavior. So also you should know, Nick, that you have the right to tell him to stop using your session for his own personal issues. You can absolutely just be like, you know what? I, I, I hear you that you want me to check Facebook to check on your wife, but I, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. And I would like to focus on my issues here because this is my time. So you, you can totally do that. And, and any therapist worth, you know, worth anything would, would respond extremely well to that. If I've never had a client say that to me ever, 21 years, tens of thousands of sessions, something like, you know, I don't know, 60,000 sessions, 50,000 sessions or something over that time. Not once has a client ever said to me, can you please stop using session time for you and, and focus on me? And if a, if a client said that to me, I would be mortified beyond belief. That is like one of the cardinal sins of, of being uh, of, of a therapist to, to not only use session time for yourself, but to do so to such an extent that your client feels compelled to say something to you about it. I mean, if, if a therapist has ever told that they, that would prompt them to look really hard in, in the mirror. <laughs> okay. So having said all that, you know, I, I get your dilemma and you know, I understand you want to work with him and you've benefited from him and, you know, you're, you're questioning some things here. So having said all that very balanced, uh, non-emotional stuff, I, I have to go on a little rant here for a second. This therapist is completely and totally outside the standard of care. He is acting way beyond normal self-disclosure. This is completely not normal. As you know from my episode on self-disclosure, I totally advocate for some self-disclosure. You know, I totally recognize the large body of empirical evidence that supports helpful self-disclosure, but he has completely lost his way with this. He's completely lost his way as a professional. I mean, using your session time and asking you as a client to Facebook his wife to see if she's cheating on him. You know, I've heard a lot of stories, but I've never heard a story like that. You should know that he has acted unethically and unprofessionally. It's a problem. And you recognize that it's a problem, which is good. And, and you see how it's harming your therapy. And you feel abandoned by him when he cancels appointments so often, which is also extremely concerning. I've talked about this sort of thing before. There are certain kinds of people who are certain kind of therapists who are late to sessions, who cancel sessions. Okay. Now I'm one of the most punctual people on the planet, but just to give you an idea of this sort of thing for me, I have probably canceled three sessions out of 50,000 in my career. And it was for reasons I don't even remember them because, and I, and believe me, I would, if it was, if it was egregious, I've been late to five or 10 sessions. And even when I was late, it was like five minutes and I was mortified. So that's to me, the responsibility of a therapist. It's unacceptable to be late. It's unacceptable to cancel so often. Now, if there's 
if there's an emergency and you have to cancel once, uh, then fine. But if you can't, if I, let's just take it this way. If I had a supervisee who told me that they had canceled on a, on one client twice in two consecutive weeks, you know, once one week and then once another, I'd be like, whoa, what? You can't, you canceled on the same client twice in a row. Let's sit down and look at your schedule and your life and figure out what the hell is happening that you would cancel twice in a row. What you're telling me is he's been doing it often. And yeah, that's going to make you feel abandoned because he's literally abandoning you during those times. He, he, he's showing you that he doesn't care enough to get his shit together or at the very least not schedule those appointments with you. You know, that's all you have to do is be like, look, my life is a little out of control right now. And I mean, this is an internal dialogue or a dialogue with his supervisor. And you know what? I think I have to cut back on my hours. I can't meet with this client twice a week. I should probably just meet with this client once a week. That's fine. You know, you, you do that. That's fine. But anyway, so so that's a problem. And um, and honestly, I worry about his other clients because I have a hard time believing that this is the only client that he's doing this sort of stuff with. And I worry about the care that you're getting, Nick. It, you know, if I, again, if I had a supervisee who was, who were, who was doing these things, I would immediately pull them from their clients. <laughs> I'd be like, you have, com- if I knew about this and I had a supervisee, I would immediately take action to protect the public. This guy is a menace to society. I have to say now, again, uh, I appreciate that you appreciate his help for you. And it sounds like for the first year or so things were, were good and you have a good relationship. Now I, I really do worry about, about you and his care of you. You could, I'm worried he's going to traumatize you actually, because things are, things have escalated to a point where there's probably some damage that's already done. And, and so yeah, his supervisor needs to know about this and his supervisor needs to take action because this is this is out of control. Um, and you should know, Nick, that there are other therapists that you could connect with in an equal, if not more helpful way. At the very least, someone who's not going to do these kinds of things. There are many therapists in the sea and it might take a while to find that person, you know, because not every, not every therapist is going to be a good match for you. But, but, I would suspect if you shopped around, you'd find you'd find another good one, someone who does not do these kinds of things. Because I'm telling you, the things that he's doing, I've never heard before. In fact, I have to tell you, as I was reading your email, I, I like a third time, <laughs> I started wondering if this was like a like a prank or something. But I've gone back and forth with you, and I, I your story sounds very credible to me. That's how weird this guy's behavior is. I mean. Asking your client to go on Facebook and look up, you know, I, I, I think I talked about this in previous, you know, me asking a client, go on Facebook, find my wife and see if she's having sex with my best friend. I mean, what? Uh, not only to a client, but you're young, you're, you're a, you're a teenager uh, and ugh. So, um, uh, I recommend contacting the supervisor. If you want me to contact the supervisor, I will. 
this this therapist needs help. And the the best case scenario here is supervisor gets involved. Uh, the supervisor requires him to start cutting back on his clients, maybe even closing his practice for a while, saying good, saying his goodbyes to his clients. This therapist gets help, gets counseling, gets his life together, gets some more education, gets some consultation, figures out his life, and then returns to the field of psychotherapy, maybe, you know, depending on where he's at, when he is capable, when his life is not in shambles, when his mental illness is under control. He can continue to self-disclose in a helpful way, but uh, I, according to your description, he's he's gone so far beyond, uh, I, you know, you telling him, hey, I don't want to do this kind of stuff in session anymore, I don't think is going to be enough for him. Because the, the judgment he's exhibited thus far tells me that a little pushback from you is not enough for him to completely, you know, wipe the slate clean for his. Because he's got to do, he's got he's a lot of shit on his slate, shall we say. And he's got to take some time off of, of work to really clean that slate. It's going to take some time anyway. So let me let me know what you decide to do, Nick. Uh, I'm curious. Again, just want to say I'm really glad for you that you had a good relationship with him and it was beneficial in the beginning. And maybe it will continue to be. You know, maybe he'll turn it around. Maybe he'll get some supervision, and, and you'll find that he returns to his normal self that only self discloses in a helpful way. I, you know, maybe hopefully that'll happen. I suppose, but I have a hard time seeing that honestly. And, and I'm worried about you, Nick, as I'm sure many of the listeners are. Okay. Um, I wanted to do just a quick follow-up from the art therapy episode. I did an episode on art therapy. Uh, Rebecca Bloom, art therapist, she went to the convention for art therapists in Albuquerque, I believe. And she protests along with a number of other art therapists uh, the Art Therapy Association, because they have aligned themselves with Karen Pence, who is Mike Pence's wife, who is the vice president and is very conservative and very right wing in some ways and uh, against LGBTQIA people and has some very harmful politics, let's just say. You know, there's a difference in my mind between Republicans who want to shrink the government and Republicans who don't like gay people. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between right-wing people who want to avoid intervening in uh, the the uh, the lives of Americans and they they don't like regulations, you know. There's a difference between that and right-wingers who are white supremacists, shall we say. So, um and Mike Pence seems to and his wife Karen exhibit some of those uh, backward ideas about LGBTQ people. Anyway, so this patron wanted to remain anonymous because she works in a sector of the world in which she can't make her name known. But uh, she she wrote she she had some things to say because she's an art therapist and she was at that convention and she has a lot of so so Rebecca Bloom on the episode was saying that the Art Therapy Association needs to cut ties with Karen Pence 
because of Karen Pence's harmful political views. And Rebecca Bloom was also saying that she felt violated in some ways by the, by the fact that the Art Therapy Association Board of Directors decided to uh, buddy up with Karen Pence. And so this, this patron wrote in and has a, a different point of view. And she, she was you know, saying that uh, – I think she was saying she's a liberal – uh, or, you know, votes Democratic. But anyway, she writes in, We drive a division when we so vehemently dissociate ourselves from anyone that thinks differently from us. So this patron is basically saying, the Art Therapy Association aligning with Karen Pence is kind of a good thing because it it shines a big light on art therapy. And just because we don't agree with Karen Pence's politics doesn't mean that we can't kind of work together. And, and that's an interesting question because that, that was what, what Rebecca Bloom was saying is just like, no, 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 no. There's a bigger picture here. And we can't, regardless of what kind of uh, awareness that Karen Pence brings to art therapy, because art therapy is a, is a very marginalized a group of clinicians in our field who are, you know, it's often portrayed by people as like, well, isn't it just arts and crafts, you know, and isn't it just drawing or, you know, and it, and it really isn't. It's, it's, it's a legitimate clinical uh, practice in our, in, in my area. And I think in a lot of States, you become a different profession and then you add on art therapy. So I know people who are marriage and family therapists because that's how you get your license. And then you add on a certification for art therapy. Anyway, uh, art therapists often feel very marginalized, not only by society, but also by other clinicians. And so having a the, the, the wife of the vice president of the United States of America champion, you know, her main issue is art therapy. And she wants to really raise awareness for art therapy and teach everyone about the the usefulness and the and the and the seriousness of art therapy. Um, what this patron is saying is like, look, it's a good thing. Even, you know, yeah, sure. We don't like Karen Pence. And some of her points of view, but but isn't it nice that she's doing something good? Which which brings an interesting question, which is, let's say Donald Trump does something good. You know, let's just say for some random reason, he decides to do something good. Can we recognize that, or can, and can we accept that? You know, say, say Donald Trump decided to, and for you Republicans out there, you don't understand this question, (laughs) but for you liberals out there, think about this, or people who don't like Donald Trump, I'll just put it that way. Imagine if Donald Trump came out and said, my favorite podcast is Psychology in Seattle. (laughs) It would never happen. Uh, uh, One, no, and two, podcasts, I'm sure he doesn't even know what they are, because most people don't know what they are. But anyway, um, you know, imagine Donald Trump like says, my official podcast is psychology in Seattle. Well, in some ways, it's like, whoa, that's that's pretty cool. You know, like, what a great thing that the president of the United States is is saying that his favorite podcast is psychology in Seattle. On the other hand, do I want everyone in the world to associate my podcast with Donald Trump? You know, do I want people to think I'm basically like, an arm of Donald Trump or something, you know, it's this, it's this very interesting question that I think is very personal. And for Rebecca Bloom, she was like, no, 
I don't care about the publicity that Karen Pence gives us. I think we need to stand up for uh, progress, for fairness, for justice, and reject Karen Pence's uh, you know, desire to associate themselves with the Association of uh, American Association of Art Therapy. I think that's what it's called. Um, all right. Uh, Amer- Association, American Association of, wait, it's ATA. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Art Therapy Association. American Art Therapy Association. American Art Therapy Association, ATA. Um, so Rebecca Bloom saying, no. For me, no. I don't care. I don't care about the publicity. I don't care about her reasons. I don't like her position. Her positions. Her position is harmful. Her position ha- is a is a part of a larger movement to harm particular groups of people, namely uh, queer people. Whereas this this patron, this anonymous patron, is writing in. She's saying, "I've wrestled with it, and I and I'm I like the fact that Karen Pence is aligning with art therapy." You know, uh, there's there's so many different things that Karen Pence could focus on, and she decided to focus on art therapy. She didn't have to, she could have focused on something more down the middle for Republicans, you know, like veterans or oil <laughs> or I don't know, just just something more or guns or for that matter, or, you know, freedom of states or, you know, she she could have done a lot of different things. But what she decided to do was was champion art therapy and and what this anonymous patron is saying is like look i don't agree with her politics but i do uh, that doesn't mean i can't appreciate her efforts of her altruistic efforts to um raise awareness about an important therapeutic field you know because in some ways what karen pence is doing is she's essentially highlighting a corner of mental health, which is a very important area that needs more political attention, particularly among Republicans, shall we say. So what the anonymous patron is saying, quote, why not applaud her for supporting the healing of our fellow citizens and neighbors? Unquote. So, you know, it's an interesting question, and I don't know the answer to that. I'm not an art therapist, so I don't have a... um, what are they, a, a horse in the race? What do they, what do I call it? I, I don't, I, I don't have a stake in the race. <laughs> I've talked about this before. I am terrible with idioms. My parents are lovely, wonderful people, but the one thing they, my household was not filled with a lot of idioms. I noticed that some people grew up with their parents saying a lot of slang and idioms and whatnot. My parents were not those sorts of people. And so I, I blame them for my inability to, uh, to recall idioms. Um, is idioms even the right word? Anyway, um, so what do you think? If you're an art therapist or, or otherwise, you know, email me, contact at Psychology in Seattle or go to psychologyinseattle.com and fill out the Contact Us page. All right, well, that does it for that short episode of Psychology in Seattle. Um, again, patron Nick uh, please try to protect yourself from this therapist. I'm really worried about it. And and if you're that therapist, man, you got to seriously uh, start getting your stuff together. Uh, you could you could be a good therapist. It sounds like you have what it takes, but it also sounds like you're really suffering right now. And you have to look at the bigger picture. 
you know, maybe taking a break from clients for a while and regrouping is, is the way to go. All right. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs>